Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. to welcome everyone to the Plaza Retail REIT's fourth quarter 2020 earnings conference call. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. Instructions will be provided at that time for you to queue up for questions. If anyone has any difficulties hearing the conference, please press star zero for operator assistance at any time. I would like to advise everyone that this conference is being recorded. I'll now turn the conference over to Mr. Michael Zakuda. Plaza's Chief Executive Officer. Please go ahead, Mr. Saputa. Thank you, Operator. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us on our Q4 2020 results conference call. We are legally obliged to tell you that today's discussion includes forward-looking statements. We'd like to caution you that such statements are based on management's assumptions and beliefs. Please refer to Plaza's public filings for discussion of these risk factors. Our outlook is very positive as we've experienced a solid improvement in our business. Our tenant base of essential needs and value retailers operating in open air centers located in primary and strong secondary markets across a wide geography has has allowed us to successfully weather this pandemic. Leasing activity continues to improve. In 2020, we leased over 1 million square feet of space. 818,000 of renewals, 69,000 square feet in newly created space, and 140,000 square feet of backfill leasing of vacant space, 60,000 square feet of backfill space in Q4. We continue to see demand from dollar and grocery stores, pet retailers, value retailers, and fast food players for pizza, chicken, burgers, Mexican food. We have signed 10 new cannabis deals in Ontario for existing sites and new developments. We are starting to see demand from retailers who have been on the sidelines since the start of the pandemic. Please refer to the Q4 presentation that is now posted on our website for an update of our top 30 tenants, our rent collection numbers, and photos of projects under construction and recent openings. We continue to pursue ways of creating unit holder value through redevelopments and new developments, through non-core property dispositions, and to creative financings. We have a solid business plan to deliver real per unit growth going forward. We are confident in our future prospects as we benefit from our highly engaged management team's capability to execute its business plan and our leasing and development team's ability to lease and develop high quality projects. Our core portfolio of pharmacies, grocery stores, dollar stores, and other essential needs tenants that have performed exceptionally well over the last year our value retailers who have shown that they can prosper in our open-air retail centers during difficult times, our large network of properties that are an important part of any retailer's strategy to sell products through multiple channels, and our strategy being diversified across a wide geography with open-air properties that often dominate within their community. Our pipeline, combined with our ability to backfill our vacancies, will provide solid growth going forward. The source of future opportunities will continue to be, one, large property owners looking to reduce their retail holdings, two, 
Passive retail property owners that struggle to fill vacancies as they are poorly equipped to lease retail space. Three, redevelopment opportunities that convert enclosed malls to strip centers, empty box stores to multi-tenant strips, or any asset that requires a serious right-sizing cure, usually a significant reset or redevelopment of retail space. And four, retailer demand for, for new space, whether it is for downsizing or upsizing. As a small cap REIT, we are nimble enough to adjust to changing market conditions. We are managing and allocating our capital carefully. We build what we lease, often in multiple phases, and are rewarded on our development program with attractive yields. We are successfully selling non-core assets well over IFRS values. These assets are typically an old KFC, whereby the highest and best use for the site is not a QSR. These sales are made with very low hurdle rates and reinvest the proceeds in higher yield and higher quality new projects. We are observing real demand from investors for quality grocery, pharmacy, and dollar store, open air centers, or strategically located single use site. This demand should eventually translate into higher IFRS values for our assets. We had excellent collection results in the fourth quarter. We can highlight several factors for this success. One, our open-air properties leased to essential needs and value retailers. Two, our geography with assets in suburban primary markets and strong secondary markets combined with an exposure to Atlantic Canada with 60% of our assets located in this region. Atlantic Canada has been very effective in managing and containing the pandemic. Three, our culture of collaborating with retailers. As a development-oriented REIT, we have grown through doing multiple deals with our retailers across our geography. You cannot do this successfully unless you have figured out how to collaborate with your retailers. And four, and last but not least, you have to have a very dedicated and capable people in your organization. I know a number of my Plaza colleagues listen to this call, so I wish to take the opportunity to recognize them for their efforts and thank them for the exceptional contribution over the last 12 months. We look forward to rebounding strongly in 2021 and beyond. I will now turn the call over to Jim Drake, Plaza CFO. Jim? Thanks, Michael. Although 2020 was obviously a challenging year for all, our business has fared relatively well. First, our rent collections recovered significantly to almost 99% in Q4, with January 2021 collections to date at 97%. We also continue to collect the vast majority of our previously deferred rent in accordance with the agreement repayment schedules. For Q4 rent, there were no additional deferrals granted, only nominal abatements, and no additional bad debt provision. Our write-offs from SECRA, bad debt, and rent abatements for the year totaled 2.4 million. Offsetting this was an increase in straight line rent as required under lease modification accounting of 40,000 for the quarter or 773,000 year to date. FFO and AFFO per unit for the quarter were 10.2 cents and 9.2 cents respectively, up 12% over last quarter. Excluding COVID related impacts, such as the previously mentioned write-offs, severance payments and wage subsidy, as well as the impact of lease buyouts, 
annual FFO and AFFO per unit would have been up 6% and 10% respectively over last year. Our liquidity, sorry, our liquidity remained sufficient and at year end totaled 46 million, including cash, operating line availability, and unused development and construction financing facilities. We also had unencumbered assets with a total value of approximately 18 million. On long-term debt, during 2020, we placed 51 million of mortgages at a weighted average interest rate of 2.4%. This resulted in a decrease in our weighted average long-term mortgage rate, now at 4.07%. We have 67 million of long-term mortgages rolling in 2021. We just refinanced 9 million of this yesterday at a rate of 2.38%. Over 40% of the remaining rollovers either have committed financing already in place or relate to grocery and pharmacy anchored properties. And with an overall loan to value of 52% and expiring rate of 4.4%, we are confident we will refi these mortgages at a lower rate. Under our development program, during the quarter, we delivered new pads for Mr. Lube in St. John, New Brunswick and PetSmart in New Minus, Nova Scotia. We completed the addition of Pet Value and Giant Tiger stores in Temiskaming, Ontario, and completed the conversion of a previous empty Sears box into a now fully leased multi-tenant strip in Chicoutimi, Quebec. The result was $37 million transferred from properties under development to income producing during the year. We also remain very active on the development front with numerous projects underway across our geography. For asset sales, we sold a few non-core QSRs and a non-core strip during the quarter, bringing our net proceeds for the year to $10.5 million. Finally, on fair value, we recorded a $2 million gain on investment properties during the quarter, mainly as a result of appraisals obtained. This brings our total fair value right down on investment properties for the year to 47 million with our weighted average cap rate currently at 7.19%. And as Michael mentioned, we do anticipate some compression of that cap rate and fair value appreciation going forward. Those are the key points relating to our results for the quarter and year. We will now open the lines for any questions. Operator? Thank you. If you would like to ask a question, please press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, please press the pound key. We'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Once again, to ask a question, please press star followed by the number one. Your first question comes from Leanne Chen from IA Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Hi, good afternoon. Um, afternoon. I was wondering if you can uh, further comment on your leasing activity for 2021. You've uh, talked about demand for new space. Um, What about uh, lease renewals and leasing spreads for this year? 
We're, we're very confident about, about lease renewals for, for 2021. We've done a, a number of them already and, are, and, uh, and anticipate um, positive spreads and uh, a pretty solid year for, uh, for lease renewals. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, and uh, just last one for me, um, just what are your thoughts on uh, rising construction costs? Um, have they affected your expectations of uh, yield on cost and ultimately if that's had an impact on your project development plans? Yeah, no, we're definitely uh, again, experiencing some, some pricing pressure uh, for construction. Um, it's, uh, it varies, again, very much by region. Um, and as you know, you know, we have a very wide geography and mm-hmm. typically projects going on in like six provinces. So sometimes um, you, you know, we, we will see wide variances for similar projects, but there's clearly uh, an uptick in construction costs. Um, we try to make up for it in, in how we negotiate uh, our rents and, and look for uh, a bigger cushion. But probably what re- ultimately saves us at the end of the day is that our financing costs are much lower than we would have anticipated and what we would usually put in our pro forma when we make a decision to move forward on a project. And then, again, we've had, you know, we have construction budgets. Sometimes they're over, sometimes they're under. I can say that you know, they've gone both ways for us, but we're, we're clearly budgeting for higher costs and, and trying to uh, obviously make up for, for higher rents. Not always possible. Um, and um, we, we do have a cushion in, in typically the way we, you know, we plug in our, our debt estimate. Um, so that's going to help. Um, but there's definitely uh, an issue out there. there. There are definitely issues in obtaining materials, certain types of of materials for our projects, which slows down delivery, which is which is always uh, uh, an uncomfortable situation. Uh, it's not alarming, but it's definitely there. All right, that, that's great. Thanks so much. I'll turn it back. Your next question comes from Jenny Ma from BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Thank you, and good afternoon. Uh, Michael, maybe just follow, hi. Maybe just following on the the same um, topic there. You've generally guided to develop yields of eight to ten percent on average, and um, uh, it's it's good that you're able to offset some of the construction costs with lower financing costs. But net net, uh, could you share with us sort of where you've been trending in that eight to ten percent range over the last couple of years, and whether or not you think that range is going to have to give a little bit given uh, where things are going? Yeah, I, th- I think the range, you know, w- w- will have to give a little bit. Um, but the again, I think we're, you know we're trying to maintain that that ultimate development spread, if you if you wish. Um, so you know, I think that 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 you know, we're, are we going to see ten percenters? It's going to be uh, we're going to have to be very very lucky. You can get that if you if you luck out in in in, in some of your redevelopment assumptions. Um, if it's a really really simple one user style project. With very little risk, you know you're, you're going to be you're going to be lower. You know you're going to be you're going to have a seven in the um, in the unlevered yield. And if you have a you know a good multi-tenant deal, you should have a, a solid eight plus style return. Um, so I, I think there yeah I think I think you're going to see um, um, you know, a little bit lower range than we've seen over the last few years as a result of. Uh, of construction costs and uh, and and hangover from from uh, pandemic. 
and I'll and just quickly add even... to, sorry, I'll just quickly add, as Michael mentioned, uh, the financing is extremely accretive, so we're still meeting, uh, we're still meeting very attractive leverage returns. Great. Uh, and, and where have you trended in that 8 to 10% range in the last year or so? I'm not, I'm not following your, your question. Um, where, where have for, we like in the last couple of years, like what have, what have you come in on for completed projects in the last couple of years? I think you know, typically we've been solidly within the range. So if mm -hmm. the project um, is a multi-tenant project, we've typically been at the higher end of the range. And if it's, a, again, a simple single-use project, we're typically at the lower end of the range. Now you have you can have the odd miss when your construction costs go too high, and you could have the odd miss that uh, that blows your return above the range. Um, but I think we've been solidly within within that that range, and then that translates into some you know solid uh, you know mid-teens levered returns, and that's really what you know I guess what ultimately we're looking at is what are our cash on cash yields, and you know maybe a little old school, but that's that's what I look at. Okay, that's fair. Uh, and then switching to the topic of um, of the work that you've done on demalling some enclosed malls, uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on sort of the future of the enclosed malls in some of these smaller uh, towns, uh, if you will, and, and whether or not there is a need for uh, even one enclosed center at all, uh, and, and if you think that sort of will create some more opportunities for Plaza to convert some of these projects. Well, yeah, you know, we're obviously uh Following that very very closely, um, you know we've we've done 16 uh, enclosed mall to open air center conversions, um, you know o o over our sort of 20 years, uh, at, at, you know as a as a public entity. So that's uh, we're probably the most experienced people in the country when it comes to this type of of, um, of project, and every project is different, and we do you know we have our eye on on certain assets. Unfortunately. A lot of the enclosed malls in secondary markets, for example, don't lend themselves to a conversion uh, for a variety of reasons: uh, the physical, or there's there's too much revenue. And and the way the way I like to to look at it is there are these hundred what were what were one day hundred store malls in secondary markets that today should be 50 or 60 store malls, and to go from 100 to 50 stores. It's very difficult, um, and I think that's the big challenge. Um, and I've said to people recently, if you could figure out what to do with these uh, challenged and closed malls, you'd have a great business. Uh, now, we know what to do if it meets our criteria and we have a vision. I think there's a lot of malls that will not meet uh, our criteria and, and our vision, and um, it's hard to predict, um, you know, how it's going to uh, end up. Um, I don't think there are enough fashion retailers in the market today to populate, you know, those 100-store uh, secondary market enclosed malls or even the 60-store, um, you know, secondary market enclosed mall. It should be a 30-store enclosed mall. Um, so, you know, the enclosed mall operators have to be really, really thinking about their future how to bring in other uses, you know, how to downsize, redistribute your tenants within the property, you know, keep it keep it strong. Uh, it's a really really tough uh, challenge, but th there will be some some um, you know enclosed mall to strip opportunities for us. I think that's quite clear, 
and then it becomes a, a question of, uh, of pricing. So we, we look at it, we try to work backwards. We know where we can bring it to, we can estimate what revenues we're going to earn, that gives us a value, then we know what it's going to cost approximately to do it, and what's left over is what we can pay for it. And that's where the challenge is when, when you're buying this stuff. You know, can you get to the point where your numbers can meet the expectations of the owner vendor? Well, that's how. That's how done. Mm -hmm. well, uh, yeah, that's that's very illuminating. So, if I'm hearing you correctly, then it sounds like there might be some incremental opportunities for Plaza to convert these malls, but it's not like the acceleration of, of, you know, the trouble that some of these closed malls are going to run into is going to create sort of an explosion of opportunity for Plaza given some of these uh, you know, physical and technical constraints. Is that fair? Yeah, well, I think, I think there are definitely more opportunities than we would normally see. That's quite clear. Um, whether we want to hit the button on the deal or not, that's a whole other question. Um, uh, so, you know, we want to try to be selective and, and do it right. Um, but I think this is going to be, there's still going to be so much pain in the enclosed mall world that I'm, I'm, I'm certain of. And, you know, I'd love to have a, a solution because we, you know, would be out there kind of figure, raising capital to go out and start buying them because I think, I think there's a lot of willing vendors in the marketplace. So that's, that's really, really interesting. But, you know, some of them are just way too big. And I think the NOI hasn't hit bottom yet. And that's what I always say when, you know, when the brokers call us, you know, they've got a great opportunity for us. They said, well, I think you're too early because I don't think you've hit bottom. And unless you want to discount it to what we think bottom is, um, it's really hard to uh, transact. And that's what we've <laughs> seen to date. Um, but there are some opportunities, and we have our, our hit list, and we watch them. And, and if the numbers work, um, we're there. So in some of the smaller towns that you operate in, do, do you think there is a, even a need for a mall? Like, is, do you think there's a minimum population size for a center to support an enclosed mall? Well, a lot depends on, you know, on what, how one looks and classifies an enclosed mall. You can have a mall, with, a smaller mall with an interior corridor, which I call is a, a real estate complex. It, it doesn't, it, you know, so my idea of an enclosed mall is a whole bunch of CRU, right, commercial retail units, uh, selling fashion, right? That to me is the enclosed mall. And then in some secondary markets, there are so-called enclosed malls, um, but they don't have a huge vacancy and they have a interesting community mix that, that, that works. Um, so those guys are okay. You know, we own a couple of small Quebec malls that, that do very well. They're super, you know, they're isolated from, from competition. And so there, there are malls that, you know, if, you know, if we had the opportunity to own, I'd say, yeah, you know, we'd want to own it because I think it's uh, it's just so far from competition um, that you're going to lease space and you're going to get a decent rent. Uh, but even in those malls, we've seen, uh, you know, following NOI and occupancy challenges, and those occupancy challenges are not going away. So okay. tough, tough slug for, for, those, for those landlords. For sure. Okay, that's uh, fantastic. Thank you very much. Your next question comes from Alex Leon from Desjardins Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Hi, guys. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, just a couple quick questions for me. Uh, firstly, on the um, rent abatements and bad debt expense, uh, was there any amount recognized uh, this quarter or any uh, even reversals of previously recognized? 
Yeah, we had about a 300,000 reversal. A hundred of that was actual recovery of uh, rent that we had set up an allowance for that we collected. And about 200 was abatements that we signed subsequent to setting up uh, the original allowance. So those abatements moved to straight line rent on your lease modification account. Okay, great. And then a uh, second one for me, just um, on some of the land, land assemblies that are under purchase agreement at year end, just wondering if you could let us know uh, where those are and uh, any details on pricing. I don't think that we're in the habit of, uh, of uh, revealing that information at this point in time until the deals are, are firmed up, but we have uh, three sites in Ontario and one site in, in, in Quebec uh, under, under contract. Um, three would be you know, grocery anchored style developments. Will they all make it? Not, not sure. Um, uh, one project perhaps gets launched later this year. Others are like 2022 or 2023 launches. Okay, I appreciate it. That's it for me. Have a great weekend, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Zakuda, there are no further questions at this time. Thank you, operator. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect your lines. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.